The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. Now, it's very important that we understand what repentance is. Repentance is not an emotion. I've seen many times preachers will seek to work people up into an emotional attitude and then call them to faith in Christ. And very, very often that leads to a letdown because they, the emotion runs out and they're left with nothing. So bear in mind, repentance as defined in the Bible is not an emotion, it is a decision. I have counseled over the years hundreds of people, hundreds of Christians who've come with their personal problems. And after a, a lot of experience, I came to this conclusion. At least 50% of the problems of professing Christians or real Christians are due to one fact. They have never truly repented. They have never really changed their mind. They've never really made a decision. They've never really surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus in their lives. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Truth Barista? I've been thinking about repentance lately. Really? And I don't really know what Have you it been is. doing bad things? Well, not really, but you know, people say, well, you got to repent. And so I'm thinking, well, do I got to go and say I'm sorry all the time? Or what really is repentance? And, uh, and so why don't we talk about that today? Okay, let me start. Have a seat. Okay, okay, you got your coffee. Good. Let me start it with this. You know, you know, I like to post on Facebook and all sorts of interesting things that happen in life. Okay. Well, one of the tellers at my bank asked me last year what I was doing for Jean for Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. and I said nothing. <gasps> I know, and she was shocked. She goes, why? And I responded, you know something? If you don't show love for your wife every day through the year, just one day won't matter. You know, that's a good excuse. I'll have to think about that Yeah, next good luck time. with that. <laughs> I wound up buying her flowers anyway. But the point is this, is in the Christian church, in the springtime, they celebrate a period called Lent, and that is a traditional time, 40 days of repentance, of turning back to God, and they signify it with Ash Wednesday. So I see these people walking around with ash on their foreheads, and I thought, that's really cool. But after a day, you wash it off. So do we also wash off our repentance after a day and go back to the way we were doing things? And that got me thinking about repentance. What is repentance? Is it a one-time thing? Is it something that we do on and off? Or is it something that we live, kind of like a state? So I'd like to talk about that. I think you should, and I think we should, because I know that some people think repentance is only when you first come to know the Lord. You repent, you accept the Lord, and so forth. And 
from that point on, it's all forgiveness. There doesn't necessarily need to be any repentance. I don't know if that's right. You're absolutely right because if you look at what repentance is biblically, there's actually two parts of it. Okay, so let's talk about it. Okay, the first thing that I found out is in the Greek, the word for repentance is metanoia, which means to change one's mind or to think differently about something. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing, by the way, as the Greek word metamelomai, which means to experience remorse. There's a difference between repentance and remorse. Remorse is deep and painful regret for doing something wrong. You can feel remorse and never repent. (laughs) You can be sorry you were busted for theft, but continue to steal when released. (laughs) You'll never catch me alive, copper. You get that? Now, the other side of it is the Hebrew word, which is shuv basically S-H-U-V, right? Which means to turn around, to return, to renounce. So, when you put these two things together, you have a mind that is changed. In other words, you're looking, let's say you're uh, involved in something you shouldn't be involved in, right? So, to repent in the Greek sense is to change my mind. To repent in the Hebrew sense is to turn away from the wrong I'm doing and turn back to God. Well, that's a very interesting concept between the Greek and the Hebraic. You know, in psychology, there is a term called behavioral modification, which means that my behavior will change because there's a reward involved in it. So repentance isn't that either, is it? No, it's not. We are called to repent not to gain a reward, but we are called to repent because we have been rewarded. See, that's the difference between the two. It's a motivation factor. I really like this idea. I've been camped on this idea of the Hebrew word shuv. They have a word that's related to that built on it called teshuvah. And it's something a person does when they realize they're out of step from God Or they've kind of, instead of walking with Jesus along the beach, you see the footsteps kind of turn off on the sand to a different direction. Okay, what Teshuvah is, is the steps turning back to God, kind of, or even retracing your steps to where you left your relationship with God and rejoining that relationship, getting it going again. That is Teshuvah. Now, what's really fascinating is it has nothing to do with just your mind. In Hebrew, when you talk about the person, it's not just the mind, it's the whole person, body soul, spirit, the mind, the will, and the emotions. So when you repent, it means stop your actions, adjust your feelings, put your will in line with God's will, really turning the whole person back into line with God. That is repentance. Okay, so let's say, for example, I have a drinking problem. So I repent of my drinking problem, which means the behavior of drinking ceases. But doesn't repentance go beyond just ceasing bad behavior? It has a change of the whole, as you said, the whole person, but the whole heart. Because I can stop drinking and still have bad behavior in the way I treat people. Based on addictive behavior? uh, Well, sure. So there has to be a real transformation of the heart overall, not just the behavior that seems to be negative. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why Minnesota Teen Challenge and faith-based groups like this are much more effective of getting people out of addictions. They're not just getting them to stop the behavior. They're actually presenting, now you've got the positive things to reinforce 
reinforce the good behavior, and they're really pointing the person back to God and then bringing them to God and helping them stay with God. That's why it's so effective. Truth Barista, tell me if I'm wrong here. When I read Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus is asking for repentance from many of those churches he's addressing. And so it says to me because of that, that even we who are followers of Jesus still need to repent. Because we keep wandering off. It's like we've said earlier. It's like, why do we need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit? And some smart guy out there, smart minister said, it's because we leak. And that's true, we do. Day by day, we have to have an ongoing, fresh relationship with God. There's the old joke of the wife says to the husband, you don't tell me you love me. And the husband says, I told you when we got married, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. That doesn't work with God. It's a daily, I love you, God, because God on a daily basis says, I love you. That's how you keep the relationship fresh. So when we wander away, God says, hey, retrace your steps. Come on back. I miss you. Oh, that's good. I love that whole idea of repentance. However, we don't hear a lot of it preached. And, you know, when I look at mission statements or statements of faith, repentance is never said or never really brought out, you know, like other areas of doctrine or emphasis. It just isn't there. Not to be too hard on pastors and various ministers today, the idea of repentance is not a popular sermon topic because it involves somewhat of an exposure and a rebuke of people's bad behavior. And it's a calling people out on things that need to change. And people don't like to do that because it gets people upset. And if they're not ready to hear the call to repent and respond, then they can get really owly. And then the budgets go down and the attendance goes down and you're not the most popular preacher on the planet. Well, then the business of the ministry takes over. <laughs> That's sadly what happens. Is But pastors need to preach repentance. Leaders need to preach repentance because that is the core of our life with God. So, for example, you brought it up at the beginning. When somebody converts, what they're doing is we are living in a world that is focused on the world and the gods of this world, however you want to define them, either spiritual beings or things that have take our time, talent, treasure apart from the one true God. So what happens at conversion is we get convicted by the Holy Spirit and we realize I don't want to stay focused and turn toward that realm of darkness. So now I will repent. In other words, I'm changing my mind about how I'm oriented toward the world and the Holy Spirit helps me reorient to God and that means I am turning away from the world metanoia, and I am turning toward God, teshuvah. And when you complete that cycle with the Holy Spirit's work, you have been reborn at that moment. You have converted, which by the way means to turn together with. The Holy Spirit is helping you turn with him back to God. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Well, I do. I understand the concept. I got a really good illustration for you. Okay, good. Okay. Immigration is a big thing today, right? It is. Okay. Well, imagine that you've grown up in the country of Panama. Okay. And you decide, I don't want to be a Panamanian anymore. I want to be a U.S. citizen. So what do you do? Well, you have an advocate there in Panama who helps you break your ties with Panama as a national, and then you start the immigration process. And part of that immigration process is you make applications application and the person then escorts you, say so to speak, to the United States where you go through a nationalizing process ending with a pledge of allegiance and you now become a citizen of the United States. Well, in a sense, getting born again or saved is a spiritual 
immigration. I don't want to be in the kingdom of darkness anymore. And the advocate with the Father, the Holy Spirit, says, fine, I'll help you immigrate to the kingdom of God. So he escorts you into the kingdom of God. And once you're there at the doorstep, you pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. Now you get to live by the laws of the land. You know, truth, Barista, that is so good. That is so good. And it, it's it's inspired me to want to immigrate over to that coffee urn over there to refill my empty cup. Are you going to go pledge allegiance to the grounds? What makes the Truth Barista worth coming back to time and time again? We give you a podcast that's not stale or stuck in time with the irrelevance of the same old thing. Our media team quickly goes to the core of the issues of our day and brings a solidly biblical response. Join us for every episode at truthbarista.com. Okay, I see that you're back, and are you happy now? I am much happy now that I'm immigrated over to a full cup of coffee. That's right. Okay, so let me continue this a little bit more. Remember I ended, you are now a citizen of the United States, you have to live by the laws of the land. Okay, so in God's kingdom, you now have a relationship with God, and he wants us to live according to his ways, his laws, his guidelines, his commands, his practices, all of those things. We don't always do that. We have a tendency to fudge in areas and we begin to stray. We begin to walk away. I don't want to do things God's way. I want to do things like I used to do in the kingdom of darkness. I want to think certain ways. I want to act certain ways. Well, a repentant life is realizing, oh, I've broken the laws of the land. Ooh, I've violated God's guidelines. Ooh, I'm not living with him like I should. So, hmm, I think what I need to do is return to God. Here's a great illustration why we need to do that. You shop at the grocery store, right? Not your wife, but you do most of the shopping, right? I do, sure. Okay, you ever pull the cart with the wobbly wheel? (laughs) All the time. Not again! The worst part about the cart with the wobbly wheel is it keeps turning to the side. Mm -hmm. And you really have to work hard to bring it back. Well, welcome to the life of repentance. Because we're going through the transforming of our mind to think and do what God wants us to do and to be, we're constantly fighting that wheel that keeps trying to take us off base here. So, what God says to me regarding this is there are times when he doesn't want to use us because we keep pulling off to the side so he'll find somebody else he wants to use until we get back in line or get corrected here. So, listen to this from Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Once we have made the grand repentance into the kingdom, called conversion, we need to live in a state of repentance, constantly being kept turned toward God, because God wants to use us. He's given us good works to do on his behalf to bless him and be a blessing to the world around us. That's why when we get off base, he keeps calling us, 
Retrace your steps. Come on back. Turn back. Come on. I know you can do it. Why? Because I want to use you. So that almost has to be a daily sort of assessment, right? It's the self-awareness that as you pray and read the scriptures, that you come to a point of saying, look, you know, I haven't believed this like the scriptures telling me to, or I haven't prayed, or I haven't whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you come to a point of repentance then. Right. And it should be more than just, oh, I'm going to repent when I realize I'm doing something wrong. It's that kind of waking up in the morning saying, you know, I'm going to live the day turned toward God. That is living in a repentant state as opposed to just going through acts of repentance throughout the day. When I was coming up, when I first became a Christian, Truth Barista, there was a lot of sermons on restitution. So repentance brought me or brought the group that I was with to a point of asking the question, where do I have to make things right now that I've repented? So does that play a part? Restitution and making things right is part of the act of repentance. It's not just turning toward God. It's making things right with God and the people you may have harmed in the process of turning away. That's a missing message today. Yes, it is. Now, why should we repent? I mean, it should seem obvious right now, but it's really remarkable. Repentance is a major theme of the entire Bible. When John the Baptist showed up, his job was to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. What was his main message? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus shows up. He's presented to Israel as their Messiah at his baptism. He gets tempted, succeeds, comes back. And his message right out of the gate is, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Oh, and then you get Peter's main point on the day of Pentecost. And what is his main message? Repent, because the kingdom is here, because the Spirit has been poured out. In fact, he says here, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, there's the conversion, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the marker of the presence of God's kingdom. So now he's saying, convert and enter the kingdom. But it also says, too, that turning from God's way through the way, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Yeshua's main topic was for his followers to preach repentance. It says, he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead. He's talking to him after his resurrection on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to be a little bit snarky here. It doesn't say that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead and having your best life now will be proclaimed to all of the nations or to discover your purpose-driven life to be proclaimed to all the nations. No, it's repent. In other words, you are not a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. You are a citizen of the kingdom of life and you are to live by that whether you are comfortable doing so or not because being a citizen of the kingdom of light really annoys our flesh. You know, Truth Barista, you're such a good historical person. So, You've given us all these examples of repentance from the New Testament, but it didn't start with the New Testament, did it? No. I mean, it really was a part of the makeup of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures in the original, right? They knew what the word repentance was, so it was a part of their teaching. You see the same concept in the Torah. God says, you know something, Israel? And this is at the end of Leviticus and the end of Deuteronomy. It's called the admonitions. It's the warnings. And God says, you know, Israel, you're going to screw up. And because of your screwing up by going after other gods, I'm going to have to kick you out of the land. But there's going to come a day when you will repent and turn to me, and I will restore you to the land. The prophets, 
The reason the prophets were preaching was not to make you feel good. It was to point out the fact that you have walked from God, Israel. You need to turn away from those idols that you originally turned from and turn back to God. And guess what? He will restore you because he wants to restore you. I love the idea when I think of the prophets, I always think of the course correction that they bring. Yes. And doesn't that the same thing with repentance? Repentance Repentance is is a course course correction. correction. That's exactly what it is. In fact, probably the best known parable talking about repentance is the parable of the prodigal son. Now, we think it's all about the prodigal son. Some people look at it and they think, oh, it's the prodigal son and the other guy is his brother who's kind of a snot. But really, no, the parable is about the father. Now, the prodigal son does the repenting, but the hero of the parable is the father who is so in love with his son that he is actively looking for his son to make that return, to show up. And he doesn't even expect his son to come all the way home before he shows him that he loves him. The father is actively looking for his son, and the minute he sees a glimpse of his son, the father hikes up his robe to run, which, by the way, was not a very culturally fun thing back in those days. You just kind of, you kept yourself covered. So dad actively runs out to get his son and restore him. This is the message of repentance to every Christian and every unsaved person. The Father is actively looking for you to make the turn, and then he will run to escort you back through his Holy Spirit. In fact, the rabbis say the same thing. In their writings, they say all the Lord needs to see is the heart that begins to turn toward him, and he will work to bring you home to make sure that that turning is completed. Isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating, absolutely. So here's who should repent. First of all, the wicked. And this goes back to the prophet, Ezekiel 33. As I live, says the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should should turn from his way and live. Who should repent? The righteous. Now let's go to Revelation. Jesus says, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. See, people don't want to hear that with repentance. And where is that found? That's in Revelation 3.19. He's talking to his people. I rebuke you and I discipline you, so be zealous and repent. Produce fruit consistent with repentance. It's not just changing your mind. It's changing everything about yourself, your actions, living a repentant lifestyle. And by the way, it really applies to everyone. Peter says, the Lord, and this is 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord does not delay his promise of his return, I'm inserting that, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And you know something that just doesn't apply to the wicked, it applies to the righteous. He doesn't want you to perish having walked away from him. He wants you to live by living a repentant lifestyle with him. Is all that making sense? It's making a whole lot of sense. I'm marinating on that Revelation 3.19. I mean, wow. Be therefore zealous and repent. I mean, that was a pretty powerful <laughs> message. You know, Be zealous. I was like, yeah, I got really excited about it. <laughs> repent. And it's like, how many times have we heard that in a church? I should talk about that sometime and sharing in my small group. Hey, let's be zealous and repent. And in fact, let's remove the word repent out of that, and it really gets even more exciting. Let's be zealous, and let's really press into God. Let's be the that kind of person God wants us to be. Let's talk about it the way he wants us to talk it, and live like he wants us to live. And you know something? People like to watch a house that's on fire. 
Well, I know, yes, I know that you worked in a Lutheran church for a while, and I know some of their liturgy people think, ah, you know, it's just old and dry. But you know, one thing I liked about the Lutherans is they start their service with repentance or confession. Mm-hmm. And I think it just breaks the ice of everybody, you know, saying, hey, we're sinners. Help us, God. I used to go through that Lutheran liturgy there like every day through my childhood and into my college years, and I realized what made it happen for me is I had to make those words my own. In fact, even in the Jewish community, when you go to synagogue, it's a lot of liturgy. You go through the words, and it can be done very fast and thoughtlessly, but on the other hand, they want you to kavanah, it's called, to put yourself into the words and to make it on purpose, okay? (laughs) Speaking of which, I watched somebody drive the other day, and it was just like they were making me nervous because I didn't know whether they were wanted to turn here. It was very hesitant driving, and I almost yelled out the window, drive like it's on purpose! Okay, well, I say that because that's like a liturgy. Worship like it's on purpose. And I may use that one someday soon (laughs) to a congregation. But the issue is that liturgy, that confession came alive when it's like, oh, Lord, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And when I didn't burn through those words, those words burned through me by what I have done and by what I have left undone. And I'm thinking, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And what is it that you don't want me to do? And boy, that I would just, like you said, marinate in that through the rest of the service. Well, you know, hardness of heart is something that happens just by natural ways. And I think repentance softens all of that and makes you much more sensitive to not only God, but the people around you. Right. When should we repent? Well, now. <laughs> Peter calls him out on it on the day of Pentecost. Now repent. Watch out, brothers and sisters. Repent now. Or when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, you may thoughtlessly wander off. He says, come back, then respond. But what's best is if we do it daily and moment by moment. Now, how do we repent? Ah, the negative side is turn away. The positive side is turn toward. That's what we talked about. That means there is God's work in our work. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. That's what John says. The Holy Spirit will come to you and he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. That's his job is to get you on track with God and keep you on track with God. He is there to rebuke you and to admonish you when you get off base, and he is there to encourage you to stay on track. Now, what's our work? Our work is to agree with God. In fact, that's what the word confession means. I agree with God, I got off track. I agree with God, I need to get back in this direction. And now, your work is to bring yourself in line with God. Watch what you say, watch what you do, watch what you think. That's all part of that lifestyle of repentance. That is, in a sense, retracing one's step. Now, I'm going to complete it with this. Why? Why is repentance so important? Because when we are living in an unrepentant lifestyle, we're turning away from God. That blocks our relationship with Him. We begin to lose fellowship with Him and that sense of closeness. We begin to get dulled in our sensitivity to God, the Holy Spirit's promptings, and we begin to lose our usefulness to God. Remember the wobbly grocery cart? So let's put these in a positive aspect. When we repent, amazing Larry, it opens our relationship with God and to hearing his voice, feeling his heart, obeying his will. 
we draw close to him in fellowship. There's this, oh, I'm feeling close to God. I don't feel so cold right now. It sensitizes us to the Holy Spirit's promptings, and because of that, we become more useful to the Lord. If we walk by the person who needs help in an unrepentant, hardened state, we'll just say, yeah, so what? Tough luck on you, buddy. But when we walk by, the Holy Spirit would say, why don't you go out on the sidewalk and bring that guy in here for a cup of coffee like happened the other day? And we even bought him a nice lunch, okay? That is the aspect of living repentantly because repentantly is an ongoing, alive, warm relationship with God. That's why it's so important. Oh, Truth Barista, this has been so good. So in conclusion today, if there was a book or an admonition from Scripture that we would want people to to think about or read, what would you recommend? One thing I would say is do a word search on the word repent and then go through all of those scriptures and let the words sink deep into your heart. Another way of doing it is also do a word search on the word turn and you'll get a lot of Hebrew scriptures and realize that God's heart is that you would come home. It's just any father can understand this who has a wayward child. They want them to come home like the prodigal son. So can I pray before we get back? Oh, please do. Okay, Heavenly Father, amazing Larry and I pray for everybody in the other booths there that may have been overhearing us. If they have never met you, Father, we've asked that you would meet their turning heart right now and help them make the full trip home out of the kingdom of darkness into your kingdom. And second, Heavenly Father, anybody who's hearing us that feels cold and distant from you, the relationship has been broken because of things that they're doing, we ask now that you would break into their heart, remove the hardness, and draw them back alongside of you and warm up that relationship and really encourage them that they are home and walking with you. Amen. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast.